Welcome to the Pursuit Rooted podcast. I am Samantha Johnson, and this is a group of my friends. Um, we're going to be talking today about the joy and the struggle of being a mom in ministry. But first, I want to invite you guys out to Pursuit the first and third Sunday of every month at six o'clock. We would love if you joined us. Um, so I just want to introduce briefly, and then they're going to introduce themselves, who I have with me here today. And it's a lot of amazing moms in ministry here at RHOP. Um, I have Brittany Fields and Amanda Ballard, Kayla Hall, and Derricka Coates. So I'm just going to shoot that off to them and let them introduce themselves. Brittany, who are you? <laughs> who am I? <laughs> um, well, I am uh, Nick Fields' wife, <laughs> who is the worship leader here and the administrative pastor. Um, and we've been here for 12 years at our hop. And how many kids you got? Two. What's, how old are they? Nick is seven and Caroline is four. Awesome. Kayla? I'm Kayla Hall. I'm Kenton Hall's wife. <laughs> We're the children's pastors here at RHOP. Um, I have four kiddos. I have Jaden, who's 13, uh, Lucas, who is nine, Jensen turned seven today, and Jubilee is 16 months. Awesome. And what's your title here at the church? Children's pastor. Awesome. Derricka? Hi, I'm Derricka Coates. Uh, my husband and I are the youth pastors here. Um, we've got two boys. Uh, Easton is nine and Eli is four. And Amanda. I'm Amanda Ballard. I'm Tommy's wife. <laughs> um, I'm Pastor Moody's daughter, and I have been here 40 years this September. <laughs> and I took a few years off. <laughs> and then um, I have three kids, and I'm a little different than everybody else in the room. Mine are all grown. Uh, my oldest, Dylan, is 26. He's the next ex-pastor here at our hop. And my middle son, Blake, is 23. And my youngest, Abby, is 20. And I have two grandchildren and one on the way. And what do you not do at our hop? I'm the events coordinator <laughs> and all the other things that I need to be whenever I need to be. Mandy runs this town. Um, okay. And then I am obviously Joe's wife, and <laughs> we help run Pursuit, and we have a, oh gosh, almost seven-year-old, Kaya, and then Phoenix is four, Atlas is two, and then we're adding another one in June, in case anybody didn't know. Um, and so, we're going to be having a, a really cool conversation today, um, just about I know some people, when uh, Pastor Moody's on the pulpit or anybody, we talk about the RHOP leadership team, and some people know who's on the leadership team and some people do not, but this is pretty much the females that are on uh, the leadership team, and so uh, Moody came to us with the ideal to sit down with some of the female leaders and talk about kind of the struggles, because we're all in the same season of life. We are you know, mom of young kids or with Mandy, a different perspective, she's still a mom and she's still having to do a lot of things. And so how do you juggle those things and what are the joys and what are the struggles? So when I was praying about this, there was a couple of scriptures that came to my mind and we'll just start off with um, Titus 2, 3 through 5 in the CSB version. It says in the same way, older women are to be reverent in behavior not slanderers, not slaves to excess drinking. They are to teach what is good so that they can encourage the young women to love their husbands, love their children, be self-controlled, pure workers at home, kind and submissive to their husbands so that God's word will not be slandered. Um, obviously, I don't feel like any of us are old women, um, but I, this is what came to mind because there's a lot of um, mention in there of what 
kind of we're supposed to be doing as leadership in the church and as women, as wives, as mothers. Um, and then the second verse is Hebrews 13 and 7 says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. And the reason I put that in there is because I think it's really important to talk about leadership and the way that they um, not handle handle their life, but um, somebody help me with the word, um, how they just walk out their life, I guess, because you want it to be a godly example. Because if your leadership is not a godly example and people don't want to imitate that, as Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, then we're not doing a very good job and we're not doing our job. And so um, we just wanted to kind of give you a, uh, a glimpse into our lives. And, and I say this at the end, I'll say this at the end, but none of us are perfect. We all have our flaws. And this is just like a little dip into our lives and, and what, what we deal with. Um, so just to kind of kick this off, did any of you guys ever see yourself in ministry? I mean, maybe you grew up in ministry, so you probably are like at some point, right? No. Okay. <laughs> so did anyone did, did anyone feel like there was like a specific call that you had, like maybe as you're a kid or an adult, or were there just certain responsibilities that fell by the wayside that you picked up? Because I feel like that was me and Joe. I don't remember a specific call as uh, far as like, you know, obviously I'm married to Nick. I knew when I started a relationship with Nick, what his call was. That was pretty You married evident. into the call. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for myself growing up, you know, I was a church kid and I just loved Jesus. Um, but I don't remember, to answer your question specifically, I don't remember a specific area of ministry that I was pursuing. Okay. Anybody else? Um, for me, <clears throat> growing up, so my, my grandparents on my dad's side are pastors. So growing up, I always had a heritage and his, you know, my grandfather's dad was a pastor. So growing up, I, I knew that I had that heritage, but my brothers were called to preach, like specifically called out in services um, or just words given to my parents. And that was never a situation for me. So I guess because of that, I didn't necessarily feel called until I was, I was actually probably about 21, 22. And I just felt like I didn't know like what, like I didn't know what I wanted to do in college. I, you know, I didn't really feel a pull in anything. And one day driving in my car, I, the Holy Spirit was like, because I've called you to preach. And I just never felt, uh, what's the word? Um, I don't know, I guess worthy of that in, in a sense because of my past and everything. I didn't feel worthy of being called to preach. Um, but I will say, and it's funny, I never seen myself as a kid pastor. I never did. I never, I mean, I just didn't think that that was what God had intended. I think a lot of times, you know, with younger people, when they get called into things, they, they go big and, you know, way above. And I was like, evangelism, I'm going to go preach to the nations, which who's to say, you know, I'm not saying that's not what would happen eventually, but I, I never seen myself as a children's pastor until, until that time in my life came. I think, so. I think a lot of times, like, uh, especially like the generation coming up, like they're all searching after a title. Like mm -hmm. they all want to be the pastor. Mm -hmm. yeah. And for like, I think all of us were just like, no. Like, <laughs> I remember Joe used to joke all the time. Someone would call him Pastor Joe and he'd like, stop cursing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Derricka, did you feel like you guys were called or? No, 
We just sort of inherited youth, and we're happy to be there. So. <laughs> a wonderful inheritance yeah, from the yeah, Lord. Yeah. All right, so Mandy, you grew up in this, but you said you didn't feel called, right? <laughs> well, on, you know, I was being funny, but, you know, I grew up in this, and like I said when we started, I was here when this started. And so growing up in the church, I served in the church my whole life. I joke all the time that they didn't actually hire someone to clean the church or mow the yard till me and Felicia grew up and moved away from home. And then and that's a true story. So I grew up serving in the church and working in the church, but it was because that was what we were told to do and that's what we had to do. And then, you know, I knew that God had a calling on my life. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost at 13. Um, and the re revival they talk about here that was supposed to be three days and went four weeks and three days in that revival. And I knew God had placed a calling on my life, but in honesty and in truthfulness, I ran from that, like ran from it and for almost 10 years. Um, because when you grow up serving like we have, there's things that push you away, mm -hmm. but those same things draw you back. Yeah, yeah so that's good. Um, I just want to throw this question out because I actually, I have a lot of young girls in pursuit that have mentioned this to me. And so I just want to throw out to you guys. Um, and it's, What's one thing that you felt has been the hardest part of being, not necessarily a mom, and that can be part of your answer, but like just being a woman in ministry or leadership, like what has been the hardest um, part for you? Let's go the opposite way. Mandy, let's start with you first. Prioritizing. Okay. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. That's the <laughs> hardest part of being a woman in ministry and a woman in leadership because as women, me and Courtney were just talking about this the, uh, the other day. Um, being a woman in leadership and a woman in ministry is really hard because as women, we are, we have to do all the things. Everything is on us, the cooking, the cleaning, the everything, the children, the ball games, the practices, all the things, yep. you know, those are all our things. But then you also have ministry. Mm -hmm. And it's the hardest part for me about being a mom or a wife or a woman in ministry has always been prioritizing mm -hmm. what, you know, because biblically a family should come first yeah but there are days that you just have to say okay sit in my office while I take care of this oh, or yes. here go play on the pews while I take care of what I got to take care of and you know or the nights that you leave here at 10 11 12 o'clock and your kids you're carrying them out and putting them in the car asleep you know because prioritizing is hard it's yeah. hard it's, it is. And, and I think that's the biggest struggle for us as well is just juggling it all. Like, it all. Yeah, and like trying to. And as women, as moms, we feel that the brunt of that, the burden of that is on us. You know, and not that our husbands don't help and they're not wonderful, but you feel like I'm a mom. This is my job. Yeah. This is what I do. And it's yeah. hard. Yeah. Would you, anyone else want to say something on that? Well, yeah, um, the prioritizing you know, because like she said, you're, you're trying to do, I work a 40-hour-a-week job. I'm managing over 40 employees, so I have that to to deal with and then the kids. But I think for me it's um, being present at each one of those specific roles is a struggle because there are times that I'm at work that I'm thinking about, oh, i got to do this and this and this, or I need to do this for the church, or I need to, you know, Enoch needs this. Um, or I'm at home and my kids are there, but I'm doing other things. Um, so to compartmentalize, I guess, mm -hmm. and be able to yeah. be present doing what I need to do in the moment for that specific thing is a struggle for me. 
Yeah. And doing it with excellence. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like, and yeah. that's the thing is like, if we know that we're kids, I feel like part of our, our, our stuff with the uh, angel angels that we have, we've been doing a lot of counseling and like, we're not equipped to counsel. <laughs> like Lord help us. Right. But it's like, if I know it's like a longer counseling thing, like we just have them over at the house because I feel like it's easier for the kids to just run around and do their own thing instead of having them come failing somewhere or getting a babysitter. So sometimes you just have to figure it out as you go. And that's kind of what we're doing. Go ahead, Kayla. I was just going to say, a lot of times I struggle with like the mom guilt, like mom guilt is real. And I mean, even, you know, even in marriage, that can be real, like feeling the guilt of like, okay, I was kind of, you know, I'm always busy with the kids and, and now he has the kids and I'm going doing, you know, 10 other things. And it's like the, the guilt that comes along with that, as well as prioritizing and, and making sure that you're present. And, and two, it's, you know, when you said like the ball games and stuff, that's hard. Like from 13 to 16 months, I've got like all phases really. And so that, that's been hard, like trying to figure out how am I going to do all of these things with them understanding that the church comes first, you know, God comes first. We don't, we don't put sports or, you know, those kinds of things in front of it. And it's like trying to be pulled 15 different directions at all times as, as a mom. I, mean, I would say so. it's fair to say, too, in, in my life, at times, a lot, most of the time, my marriage probably suffers the most. Yeah. That's probably what I neglect the most is that mm-hmm. relationship because yeah. I try to prioritize, okay, I got to take care of the kids. I got to take care of ministry. I got to take care of the house and he's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes he's not fine. Yeah, sometimes exactly. he's like, excuse me, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, remember me? And we're yeah. going to talk about that. We're going to yeah. talk about that more in just a second. So, Derek, did you, you want to add something on uh, just being a woman? In I would say mm-hmm. the hardest part for me is myself, the weight that I put on myself and all of that and trying to, like, step outside of that and be like, this is not the way other people are seeing all of this situation and, like, trying to take myself out of it. Yeah. Uh, I'll add on to that. I, I do feel like I feel like I'm looked at more than Ken is. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like there's there's more pressure on myself than there is for Kent. And Kent's, oh, I mean, you know, obviously the person that doesn't really care what people think of him, right? Because he's the jokester and the, all the things. But I feel like I'm the one that has to be, like, perfect all the time. So I, I think that that, and that's not even being a mom. That's just I think that's just being women, a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we feel that we have to uphold a certain standard, and, and we should, but at the same time striving for perfection but understanding that working in excellence and striving for perfection are two different things that's some good wisdom yeah and i think that goes into the segue of like the next thing you were talking about because i think this has been a struggle for me and we were talking about it before this but like when it comes to to ministry or leadership some women would say they felt passed over less than because they're a woman or a mom and we were talking about before like and they were like i've never felt that i've never felt that and Honestly, I've never felt that from like leadership or a pastor. Mm-hmm. I think Pastor Moody and, and Sister are amazing about not doing, yeah. you know, or in our leadership team about not doing that. They really, I feel like, try to lift up women in ministry. But I think it goes back to we put so much pressure on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was talking to them about. Like, I feel like there's been stages in my life where like I've had a newborn or I've been pregnant and I feel like I maybe I'm being looked over or feel like a lot of people are like, well, you can't do that because you have your hands full. Yeah. And in reality, they're just saying, like Derek has said, like, you're on a break right now. And I'm like, no, I have to prove myself that I can do all these things because that's what women do. Yeah, right? and I, I really struggled with that after I had Jensen 
because I, I felt that need to like overperform and, and to make sure that I was doing all these things. And when I had Jubilee, I just felt a peace from the Holy Spirit just telling me like, this is a season. Like if I have to step out of service, this is a season. This These are things that obviously bringing a baby into the world is a blessing. Like God's not going to give you something that's not, you know, a blessing. So when you step out and it's, it's hard when you're missing things in service and it's hard when you're having to, you know, take a kid out to discipline them or whatever it may be. But, you know, it's, it's a reminder though, that this is a season and God's placed you into these positions for a purpose. I mean, we're raising the next generation. What we're doing is that matters. We're not just moms. We're not just women. You know, we are, we're, we're truly carriers of the kingdom. Like we're carrying the kingdom from, from inside of us, you know, and then we carry them through life. And that's just how, that's the grace I had with that, with Jubilee being younger was really helpful. And like thinking my mom, like thinking like physically carrying them. I can't, I, I can't even think how many times that we've been praying for people, people in the altar with like a sleeping kid on yeah, her. Yeah. Like I remember Phoenix, like she was like, three years old like a full human and we had a visiting minister and I'm like holding this kid with one arm and praying with people with her. and this, yeah. I remember the visiting minister was like man like how do you do that I'm like the grace God has given yeah. me I don't even know but like I mean the dads do that too like I see Ken up there sometimes mm -hmm. with sleepy Jensen on him you know praying yeah. for people and it's just like you said you can't use it as an excuse not to work for God like if he's telling you you're gonna need to go pray for people or that's part of your your ministry then that's what you got to do and you just bring them alongside you yeah. Um, so let's get into kind of the, the mom aspect of this. And, and Mandy brought up a, a really great point um, when it comes to priorities, and that's going to be the bulk of what we talk about the rest of the time. But I put in here some of Proverbs 31 just for you guys. It says, strength and honor are her clothing. She can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed, and her husband also praises her. So I put that in there just because I feel like everyone is trying to be the Proverbs 31 mom, and no one can ever attain. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I can't even um, start. And sometimes when I read that, I'm like, who is this woman? <laughs> when did she sleep? <laughs> um, so, but I'd put, you know, no matter how passionate we are about our ministries, we have to prioritize in a biblical way. And uh, Amanda was just bringing up like the biblical priority, but we don't talk about this enough, like what the biblical priority is, especially when you're in ministry. But it's always our relationship with God goes first, first and foremost. And then after that, even before our children is our marriage. And then after that is our children. And then after that is whatever ministry God's called you to, right? We don't want to put, I just had a conversation with someone the other day and, you know, they were having some family issues and they're and a grown adult with their own children now, but they're having family issues with their parents and stuff. And, and they said, I always have felt like such a, their parent had always put ministry before them and their siblings. And I thought, God, please don't let me ever be guilty of that because that's put such a strain um, on that family. And I think, you know, God, if I'm putting you first, I feel like, and I'm listening, that you're going to be like, hey, you're, you got this mixed up. And so I think we, it's really important. But God's given us this family to show us his love to and grow them as disciples because, like I said, if they feel less important and we're not discipling them, then what was the point, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because, you know, like this person I was talking to the other day, like, 
if they grow up and the parent has a successful ministry and that's great, but the family as a whole is falling apart at the seams and no one, you know, have, has been discipled or taught things or, or whatever it may be, you know, we've done a terrible job at this, right? Because he's called us to our family first. Do you guys all agree with that? Yeah. So what's the, we kind of touched on a little bit, but what's the biggest struggle with this? Um, and so I'm going to throw it to Mandy first because you grew up in a ministry home and we always hear about pastor kids, pastor kids. And we're all like, we don't want our kids to be pastor kids, right? Because they're always, they're always, you know, you're going to be church. You're like, there is yeah. a stigma on yeah. pastor kids, but then also the pastor kids has the most weight on their shoulders, especially as they're growing up trying to figure out life. And then they're being scrutinized by a million people. They don't even know half the time. And so what was your some good, some bad about growing up being a pastor's kid? So it's, I, I say this when people, uh, people ask me this sometimes. What was it like growing up a preacher's kid? There's a couple of things. One, it's wonderful because um, you have a family that other people don't have or know because you have your family, but you have your church family. Yeah. And those people, most of, some of those people we grew up with closer to or spent more time with than we did our actual real families. And I think that's what's happening with and, my kids right, right. now because we don't is. have family yeah. around here. Right. And, and those people are your family and it's wonderful because it's a community that you're a part of and it's people that you know your whole life and then you see their families. And like with me where I, you know, I'm older and my kids are grown and stuff. My kids have grew up with those kids and then the kids, the people I grew up with, now their kids are, have grown up with my kids and it's just, it's a family. It's an extended family and it's wonderful. But then the other side of that is it's a struggle as the preacher's kid and especially as a pastor's child because you see and know all the things, all the things. You see and know the struggles. You see and know the heartaches. And especially in the early years when we were, dad was building our heart because, you know, he's been here from day one, which doesn't happen a lot. A lot of pastors move from place to place. But, you know, we've been here from start to, you know, hopefully finish. And it was hard because you watched in those hard years. You saw those struggles. You saw those hard things. You saw the things that people don't see. You see beyond the pulpit, mm-hmm. and you see the hurt and the disappointments and when people leave and when people come and those things, and you see those things. And a struggle is to not hold resentment and to not hold anger, and I think a lot of times that's why pastors' kids rebel. Mm-hmm. I think it's why they leave. Some never come back because they see those things but you also see the wonderful things too but I mean the hardest part I think of growing up a pastor's kid is you see everything beyond the pulpit you see everything behind the doors you you know the hurts you know the things people do and sometimes they're really horrible things and you see them you know them and most of the time you have to keep them to yourself you can't talk about them you can't discuss them you can't you know and that's hard that is hard, but then you also, and I don't want to be like bloom and do, but you see all the wonderful things that people are too. And it, just like I said, the things that push you away are the same things that draw you back because it is such a family and it's such a community. It's really wonderful. And it's, it's much greater than it is terrible, Yeah, you know, but yeah, that's a struggle. I mean, that was the hardest part for us growing up and the scrutiny. People think because you're the pastor's kid, they have the right. 
to judge you to, you know. That you're supposed to be perfect. That you're supposed to be perfect. I remember there was a lady that went to church here um, for years. And she pulled me aside one Sunday night. I was leaving church and fussed at me over the way I was dressed. It wasn't her place. Yeah. And she embarrassed me because even though she pulled me aside, people heard it and people were around and she embarrassed me. And I was maybe 14 or 15 years old, which is a really hard time for a young girl anyway. Yeah. And um, my mother <laughs> pulled her aside. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she did. I'm sure she, did. <laughs> she was like, no, don't do that. I've got this. <laughs> and that's part of pastoring too. But that's hard. Like the scrutiny's hard. The, and you're expected to live to a different level than different everybody standard. else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You've got a different standard. You live under a magnifying glass. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. And then like when it came to, you're going back to what you were talking about, like you, you saw and, and knew everything and sometimes you had to keep it to yourself. Did your parents try to do a, like a good job of like when you were younger of like, like not talking about mm -hmm. things around you guys? Oh, but yeah. it was mostly when you got older. When you, I got older, you, you, yeah. you know everything. You know everything mm -hmm. and you see things and you hear things and you know things. But mom and dad and mom and dad always did that where they tried to keep us away from things and keep things from us. They protected us from things. But then when you get older, especially by the time you're a teenager, you've got it all figured out. Mm -hmm. You see things and you hear things and you know things and it's hard. It's not all sunshine and rainbows in yeah. the industry, and you all know that. Yeah. I think I think sometimes, like, I don't know about you guys, but I think sometimes, like, when we, I say, release the beast, sometimes, like, after pursuit or after church, when, like, the kids are coming out of children's church or the nursery, and they're just, like, we're, like, people want to have conversations with us, but our kids are, like, they've been balled up for, like, energy for an hour and a half, and then they're coming and they're running around the church, and they're on the stage, and you're trying to make sure they're not going out the door, and I'm, like, everybody's judging me and thinking I'm a terrible mother because this one just ran down that pew and this one, even though church is over, I'm thinking, all right, well, get out of here. <laughs> Do you guys feel that pressure too? Because yeah. I'm like, okay, this person's wanting to talk to me, but then everyone else is thinking they're not taking care of their kids at all and their kids are terrible. They're up there on the drum set, blah, blah, blah. I mean, am I the only one? My kids go to Mandy's office for candy. Yeah. Well, I usually have to find them at like Mandy's yeah. office. I had, to, I had to be like, did you ask Mandy? Because otherwise they you're ask. stealing. Because <laughs> I'm like, did you ask your mommy? <laughs> but that's another thing about that, what, what you're talking about there. Um, I don't know how many times in my life I had the talk from my mom or my dad. You can't do those things because other people can't do those things. If we let you do that, then everybody else thinks they can do that. Or you don't get special treatment because of who you are. Yeah. You know, you can't be on the stage. Don't be on the piano. Don't be back there. You're not, nobody is allowed back there. And I mean, I don't know how many times I got that conversation in my life. You can't do that because you're my daughter. Yeah. You, you know, I've literally had special. to, yeah. recently had to have that <laughs> yeah. conversation. Yeah. 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 And I then in turn have had that same conversation with my children over the years. Just because you're here all the time don't mean you get to do that. Yeah. You know, and so it's, kind of along the same lines of what you're talking about because people I think think you get special treatment but in fact you get special treatment but it's not in a good yeah. way because a lot of times dad would call us down from the pulpit he doesn't do that anymore he used to do that he would call us down from the pulpit and one time my mom got mad at him because she said my kids aren't talking to their self the only ones you're calling down are ours. They're not talking to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking to someone, you know. Yeah. And she was like, it's not fair. Yeah. But 
I was an, we were examples. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And my kids, I did the same thing when I would teach children's church. I would get on to my kids for things they really weren't even doing, mm -hmm. but I was wanting this kid to stop it. So I would get on to my kids yep. for it. You know, and it's kind of the same thing. It's the scrutiny part. Yeah. It's, and that's something that we've had to, you know, being children's pastors, that's something that we've had to adjust because it was turning into Lucas or Jensen always getting in trouble, but it's not just Lucas and Jensen. And it's like learning that, yes, they have to set examples. And we talk to them all the time and tell them they're held to a higher standard because they are. They are. And so they have understanding of that. But at the same time, they're kids. So it's, it's, you know, it's like not calling them out all the time. It's separating the group. There's a group of boys. We separate. You know, it's it's that. That has to be done, and you can't just single out your kids. But when you're talking about kids running around the sanctuary acting crazy and stuff, um, I used to be, it used to like, I would say, we need to go because they're doing crazy. And then I became the children's pastor, and I was like, I know how everybody else's kids act, so I'm just, you guys do what you do, because it's not horrible, you know, so. But you I do mean, have you, to teach yeah, them. Yeah, you have to teach them how and to. We and, and the flip side of that is, is that you also have to teach them, because my kids, and I did it too, I did it, and my kids did it, they got to a place to where they thought, I can do what I want. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, and I was like, no, no, you can't. You know, if John can't do it, neither can Dylan, yeah. neither can Blake, neither can Abby, you know, but they would. They got to a place to where they would kind of look at me, and I'd be like, no, that's not how that works. And I did the same thing where Dad would be like, listen, you're not special. If I told them not to do it, you can't do it either. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. That's good. I think we've all struggled with that. So in that in that regard, let's talk about a different couple, a couple different perspectives that we have here. So Brittany was the only one in ministry, really, before kids, in a, in a sense, okay? Yeah. Mandy, you had a whole age range of kids when you came back to, to God and started the church. And the rest of us just had really young kids or babies when we started. Because I remember when we started Pursuit, you had literally just had Enoch, and I was pregnant with Kaya. And so we were just getting in that. But Nick was already in ministry. You guys were driving all the way up from London and having to get here early and stay late and pack all the bags and all the things. And then you decided to have a kid, and I'm just thinking... Did you even think about this? So talk about that. Like, did you guys talk about how will a kid fit into this? How will things change? How will I juggle all that? Uh, we did talk about it. Because um, like you said, we were driving an hour one way. So two hours on Sunday to come to church. Um, but Nick was pretty, you know, this is what, at the time we were trying to figure out a way to move to Richmond. So we knew that that was sort of the long-term plan. We just hadn't figured it out yet. Um, and we we just went forward with it because we were confident that this is where we were going to be. So, but yeah, there was, there was many conversations. We were married for three years before we ever had Enoch. Um, and we, Nick started here before we were married. We were just engaged. Because I remember Pastor Moody coming to our wedding and, you know, it's like early on. But, um, yeah, we had those conversations. Um, and how did that, I mean, how did that change the ministry, though? Like, did you just kind of, like, lump him into it? Or did you have to, like, switch some things around when it came to, like, staying out so late with the ministry team or? When he was a baby, no. I mean, he just went everywhere with us, honestly. He was the best. Like, he really was a good <laughs> church baby. Like He, uh, he was not as prior in the because I at the same time we had friends who were also driving who had a baby same age who 
if they got the baby got in the car and screamed, you know, and I can't imagine dealing with that every like twice a week. Um, we didn't have that struggle uh, with Enoch, but I mean, yeah, he we just sort of took him everywhere we went. Um, and when he's a baby, I remember my mother-in-law telling me, "Oh, when they're babies, that's the easiest time. You can still take them everywhere. You can still." And that's literally what we did. I remember, uh, like, when Enoch was born, I, I don't, he might have been a month old. Well, he was born in May, and then you had youth camp in June. And we went to youth camp. <laughs> we did youth camp. Yeah, we were, the, we were the counselors. Yeah, we did. We did, like, I did half a week. You did the other half. Um, and then, like, we left from there and went to Tennessee. Like, it was just fast-paced, and we were fun. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit to Mandy comes in. She has a age, a whole age range of kids, and you can kind of explain their ages when you came back to God and when you started like working in the church. But like, I feel like your mother in law's right. It's a lot easier just to pack a baby around and stuff than it is like, well, we can't stay out late because this we got to get this kid up for school in the morning, or you know they got little ears that hear everything now, and then there's no secrets because then they're going to go tell Johnny Bob over here, you know what was being discussed in this counseling meeting. Like you can't just take them into like a private meeting that you're having with people now. And so Mandy discussed that struggle and like, did they kind of go with the flow with it or did they kind of rebel against it? Cause they're used to a totally different routine. They were. So when, when we got back in, you know, when I came back to the Lord and, and got back into the church, um, Abby was three, almost four and Dylan and Blake were six and nine. And so, she turned four shortly after, but we, it was really a struggle in the beginning because our lives were totally different. And even though I would still come to church, Dylan came to church every week. My dad would pick him up on Saturday night and bring him to church. And so unless there was something, sickness or something, Dylan was at church anyway, every week. And sometimes the other kids would come with them, but Dylan every week. And it, it was a different lifestyle and it was a different adjustment for us. And then, you know, most of y'all know our story. Tommy came afterwards. And so in the beginning, it was a real struggle because me and the kid's life was changing and his wasn't. And that was a real struggle, which that only lasted about four or five months, okay. thank the Lord. And then he came to church and our lives changed completely. But it was really hard and it was a struggle because everything changed very rapidly and the kids weren't adjusting to that well because our life was very chaotic before and then it wasn't anymore. And that was hard. That was hard for me. It was hard for them. But I was probably not the best mom because I was the mom who was like, oh, there's school tomorrow, but it's fine. We'll stay at church till 10 o'clock. You know, that was who I was, you know, and I'd be like, you'll be fine. Which now looking back. As you're falling asleep in class. Yep. <laughs> looking back, that probably wasn't the best mommy, momming. But, um, yeah, I, I did that a lot, you know, where we would be in camp meetings or revivals or Sunday night services. That would last a long time. And then they would want to go eat. And I'd be like, oh, it's okay. We have school tomorrow, but you'll be fine. And then sports came into our life in full swing, and, and you learned to adjust. Finally, I was just like, okay, we have to be more responsible because I can't take it, and neither can you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I yeah. remember, like, during uh, this past camp meeting, I think in October, uh, yeah, it was, because Pastor had asked you on Wednesday night to get some food together, um, and then afterwards, he was trying to get everybody to stay, and we were all like, oh, we would love to, but we have children we have to get in bed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, like, 
I feel I feel like there's a totally different dynamic to momming as you talked about when there's different ages and Derek you have an older one and then Kayla you have Jaden too like you feel like it gets easier as they get older or maybe a little harder yeah I think it definitely gets yes. easier and especially like Jaden you know we're in a 21 days of fasting and she has taken it upon herself to be part of that you know nothing that we talked about or anything but she felt the need to fast for lunch that might have been the youth pastor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but she she really wanted, she was like, you know, I don't I don't have social media, I don't have all these things I really want to to fast, and I can see a huge difference in her. So it's like the older they get, I don't know, like she's just more willing to she wants to be part of it. There's something that's grabbing hold of her. Like the Holy Spirit is changing her and shaping her. So it definitely gets easier. And with her being a girl, she loves the getting up, getting ready, putting on a cute outfit. That goes hand in hand. Now the boys, there's times where, you know, it's like the same routine. You tell them to brush their teeth every day and they're like, what? And, you know, every Saturday I'm like, let's go to bed. We have church tomorrow. What? Tomorrow? Sunday? I'm like, yes. Tomorrow, Sunday, we have church. So it, it definitely gets easier. I will say I think there's a difference for me anyway, with boys and girls. Jaden, you know, wants to go, even Jubilee. Jubilee is pumped about church. She loves to worship. She gets into it. She gets excited. And, you know, the boys just kind of, they're dragging in the morning. And it's just a boy thing, I think. But I don't know. It definitely yeah, gets I definitely think older, it's easier. easier as they get older, too, because children become self-sufficient yes, when they yeah. get older. So the weight off you is lifted off you as they begin to be able to do things for themselves. It's a lot different when you're getting a four, a seven, and a nine-year-old ready every morning than it is when they're 10, 13, and yeah. 16, and they're getting themselves ready every morning. Yeah. You know, so your burden gets lighter, mm -hmm. and they become more self-sufficient, mm -hmm. and it gets easier for you. And then, like with sleep patterns and those things, eventually, as they get older, they don't have to go to bed as early anymore. They don't need that. Like they can handle church till 10 o'clock. Yeah. So your life gets easier. And then when they get teenage years, you know, like Jaden is, um, and you've got counseling or you've got this or you've got that, you know, you can send them somewhere else. You don't have to worry about what they're doing. Yeah. They're old enough to sit down there and do whatever till yeah. you're done. So I think 100% ministry gets easier, easier as they yeah. get older. Do you yeah. think it gets harder from on a, on, from a personal uh, perspective, though, when it comes to, like, the older they get, the more you're responsible for discipling them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I was getting ready to say. Because yeah. Enoch's getting older, and so I'm a little bit more, like, concerned about what are you actually thinking learning. about yes. right now? Yeah. What are you yeah. learning? Like, what um, are you overhearing when you're in certain places? That part gets yeah. harder. The discipline part gets harder, but the workload gets easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Big time. Especially mm -hmm. having Jaden, like, eighth grade going into middle school, or going into high school. Um, it was, it was a, I mean, it was like a major concern for me to the point that I, because I remember myself. You know, you look back at yourself and what, what situations did you find yourself in? Even though, you know, I wasn't like some, a horrible kid, but what situations do you find yourself in? So that was something that I always prayed over and still pray over my kids. But I've, I have had, I want to say like a burden lifted off of me because she has just been, she's figured out it's okay to be separate from the world. It's okay not to have all the friends. It's okay not to, I mean, she doesn't even go to school dances because she's like, I don't want to listen to the music. So it's okay to be separate. And 
I'm praying that all of them are that easy <laughs> because Jensen is a little bit fiery. So, you know, he's just, he we wants all got to a fiery be, one yeah, he mm-hmm. wants to be like the cool guy and say the things that he thinks are funny and he gets in trouble a lot for those things. So it is like trying to teach them, you know, we say these things, we speak this way, we think this way, that, that part does get harder big time. Were you so. going gonna to add anything? I was just going to say, I'm in a weird spot um in my in our like specific area of ministry where you know I don't have family here which a lot of you all have become like family um but you know like when I'm serving and Nick is serving on the stage I have kids who <laughs> don't have any supervising adult um usually Caroline finds somebody <laughs> um but you know a lot of the times I do like it's uh I've had to teach him, you stay right there so I can see you. There's been a few times I've had to leave the stage, which is always When I see Brittany leave the stage, I look at John, I'm like, he's getting it. He's yeah, about to get it. But, you know, oh like, what do I do? That's my priority uh-huh. right yeah. there, my priority. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, so, yeah. I have to, you know, so juggling, like, paying attention to them, but then also, like, what am I supposed to be doing, you know, as I'm serving is can be difficult. You know, when they were nursery age, it was a little easier because they were in the nursery and, um, but, you know, Joe talks a lot and we've learned a lot about the, you know, secular, uh, sacred divide and how that really don't exist. And so if you're doing things right, um, so I'm just praying that, you know, my kids, when I'm worshiping, I'm trying to just bring them alongside yeah. of me to do, to do those things alongside of us, you know? Yeah. And I've tried to like, especially this year, I've thought about more we're with Phoenix and Kaya, like, yes, Kent and Kayla do a great job and Derek and Ryan do a great job when it comes to like teaching our kids things, but that's not just their responsibility. Like it's my sole responsibility. Right. And so like this year when it came to like, Oh, I'm ordering like my new Bible study or whatever. I got them their own Bible study and we get up before school and we do this Bible study together. They each have their own one kind of specific to their age group. And I feel like I've seen more fruit from that in the past month. Like, just asking them questions instead of, like, we always, like, after church, we're like, what did you learn today? You know, in children's church, and we try to talk about that stuff. Say Jesus. <laughs> That's Phoenix's best answer. My favorite. Like, you know. You <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. They already know. I, I always get, mm, I don't remember. Every time. I get Jesus. I, I think, think it's think boys, it's though. Like, it's a nut. It's, it's a spice. Yeah. Yeah. I just say Jesus. <laughs> That's what, That's That's what Phoenix That's every nice. time. But I do think. There's a big importance in talking about bringing them along up beside you. Like she says, I'm trying to bring them with me because um, years ago, the Lord told me through a prophecy, um, you know, that I had been called to serve. Like Rita Casey came here and she came to me and said, the Lord has called you to serve. He's called you to walk behind your parents and pick up the weight and help them carry it. And you're called to be a servant. That's what you're called to do. And I, I agree with that. But growing up like they did in the church being here all the time I mean look how they serve now so I think bringing them up and and bringing them along beside you teaches them things because now they serve and and I see that all these years of being here all the time and doing the things that we've done has taught them it's instilled in them it's there it's it's in them you know and I'm like it says something about bringing them along beside us because it's it's pouring in them like sometimes we think they're not getting any of it but they're getting it yeah they're getting it it's there like he's saying he's like um i don't know it's there yeah and it is and that's something i was telling pastor moody just the other day like you know when he he's going through all his heart issues like 
Katya prayed for him overnight. Katya and Phoenix prayed. And she came up to him, like, right before his surgery and, and came up to him and said, Hey, Pastor Moody, we've been praying for him, praying for you. And it made him cry. He said that touched me so much that she, I said, she really does pray for you every night. Well, then I texted him the other day because when he was up giving that testimony about how he got touched the other night and he felt like God had healed him, I look over at Kaya and she's just smiling her. from ear yeah. to ear because, and I texted him and I said, you are testifying of what she's been praying for. And she got to, to see, see that, that. Yeah. and hear Come it and say, and say, look, God, you know, like my faith and my persistence of praying and look what I'm, I'm getting to hear. And it was just so special because like, you know, um, we do our prayer time every night and stuff like that, but we don't force them to pray for people. We at, we say, just listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying yeah. and pray. You know, there's been times like, uh, and I've texted Erica before, she'll randomly be like, I feel like we need to pray for Derricka for peace. And I'll text Erica like, are you okay? <laughs> My kid just said you needed peace. Um, <laughs> got multiple phones, yeah. Um, so, you know, and I think that's important just leading by example. And that's what that verse at the beginning was like imitating your faith. Like, not only are our kids supposed to be doing that, you know, but the people that we lead as well. But if, if first and foremost our kids aren't doing that, then what makes us think that anybody in the congregation yeah. is going to do that, you know? And so um, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this one. Uh, we're going to come back up. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about part two, kind of more of um, the struggle of, of this, um, just being a mom in ministry and all that entails. But um, we hope you come join us at Pursuit on the first and third Sunday, and we hope that you've enjoyed this. If you like this type of of content of us interviewing other people please leave a comment um, and just let us know and we would love to continue talking to more of our leadership and the people in our congregation um, go do what jesus said mm -hmm.